Welcome back to the podcast that rots. Weekly podcast that talks about news in the world of rock, metal, alternative, and everything in between. My name is Luke, host of the YouTube channel Rocks. Thank you for joining us here on Twitch as we stream this live, and we will be recording this for YouTube and all the podcast forms as well. No matter how you listen or watch, I always appreciate it. I am flying solo again today, and part of me wishes I had someone to grieve and complain with on this one. Other parts of me wish I'm glad I'm doing this alone, or I should say I'm glad I'm doing this alone because I don't want to have a co-host have to deal with some of the subject matter for today. Hopefully you all are doing well since last week we spoke. I released Regretting the Past on Kid Rock's Cocky. That is available now on YouTube. I am working on another list video following up 10 intense onstage injuries with a follow-up video, 10 more intense onstage injuries. Hoping to have that out next week. I have already started writing it. I'm almost halfway done. Sooner I can get through it, the better. I apologize for being a little bit slow on my... Ah, uh, how do I say this? My output, grad school, has just been hectic the last couple weeks. As well as some family information. Dad had seven, his seventh bout of skin cancer. Literally got the text about 30 minutes ago. It looks like he's in the clear for the, the skin results and like doing all the tests for pathology. So they got everything they needed. My dad's a tough man. Bout number seven. I know him as he'll always say this, I'm fine. And that's where I get that too. He does have the skin patchwork, like true skin square taken off and then stitched back in place. He was moving around fine when I saw him on Sunday though. That's all I have to say. Interestingly enough, when I saw him on Sunday, and I think he'll be okay, we got the good results today. When I saw him on Sunday, I went over to my parents' place to see how they were. Sitting down at the table, going to have lunch. He says to me, that festival in Florida is the one you always go to, right? Welcome to Rockville. To which I said, yes, that's the one I've covered every year since 2013. This is the first year I have not been there. I was invited. I just could not make it. To which he replies, you know, there's some bands down there doing some stuff that's so bad, I don't think anyone should have that festival again. To which I knew exactly what he was talking about, and my mother goes, what happened? And I decided to not go into detail and just say, it's not worth it bringing up at the table, but someone did something so bad live on stage that it caused major national news, not just in rock and metal. For those who are unaware, Welcome to Rockville happened this past weekend. DWP put out the four-day festival in Daytona, headlined by Metallica, Slipknot, and Disturbed. People that went there were saying overall it was great, great weather, great time of year. The map was great. The stages were nice. It wasn't insanely hot. Everything loves that. It's Welcome to Rockville will be back in May. We'll go over that in a little bit. However, there was one big glaring issue the band Brass Against, which is a covers band that has a big horn section, does unique covers, and do their own original stuff too. How do I say this politely? I don't know if I can say this properly because, um, are I keeping this clean? That's a very great way of saying that. The band Brass Against, uh was performing at Welcome to Rockville. They were in the moments. They had tens of thousands of people watching them. The singer of Brass Against, Sophia, 
if I'm correct. Again, let me double check to make sure I have the right name. Da da da. Sophia Eurista. Got a little bit too in the moment. Sometimes when you're a live performer, you have all that adrenaline and energy. You know things are going well. You want to make a statement. You just, you're feeling the moment. You're feeling everything going on. She decided to get a little questionable with her behavior. She looked around. She brought up a drunk fan older than her. This man had to have been in his 40s minimum. Asked him to lie down on stage face up. While the song was still going on, horn players, instrumentalists still going, drums still beaten. This Sophia woman dropped her pants, which looked like what leather pants, squatted over the man, and urinated all over his head and face and body. She then pulled her pants back up and continued with the song. The drunk man, shouting, laughing hysterically, spit out all the contents in his mouth that he, whether intentionally or accidentally received, spit it out quotes like Triple H from WWE, ran back into the crowd covered in the woman's pee. And that was the tale of Brass Against at Welcome to Rockville. Now, there are many, many, many phone captures and photos and video all over social media to the point where my father, who keep in mind was in surgery for cancer on Wednesday, even found out about it. He doesn't follow festival life. And even he found out about this. Huh. So... There's a few things that we need to break down before we get to my opinions on the matter. I want to stake the facts first, make sure everything's clear on what the present information is before I start breaking other stuff down and what I see with different hats on deciding everything. Number one, there was an apology statement from Brass Against on social media. As soon as I get my mouse over here, I shall share that and show that with you. Once again, since we're live, please let me know if the audio is okay. If there's any need for tweaking live, I shall gladly do that. As I pull this up and show you what was posted. Da, 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 da. Let me move this over here. There we go. Switch my monitors. So, to quote one brass against. We had a great time last night at Welcome to Rockville. Sophia got carried away. That's not something the rest of us expected, and it's not something you'll see again at our shows. Thanks for bringing it last night, Daytona. Very formal, brief, clear statement on the aftermath of, what do we call this? P-gate? No, that's too on the nose. And nobody say, don't anyone say welcome to P-ville. No. But that is a public statement. Not truly an apology but a public statement acknowledging Sophia got carried away. The next fact about this um, over the last couple days, again, this happened on the 12th. Today's the 16th of this recording. So this is not new or it happened on the 11th. Statement was made on the 12th. Let me clarify. Florida is Florida and they have unique laws depending on the county. 
However, one law that Daytona County or Daytona Police Department have, along with many counties in Florida and around the country, Miss Sophia might be facing some time. And there's conflicting reports saying there won't be charges brought against her, and others saying people are going to try to bring charges against her. It does not look like DWP will be the festival promoters, from what I understand. However, this is a public nudity and indecency charge. And to quote it out, Florida Statute 800.03 makes it unlawful for someone to expose his or her sexual organs in public or on the private premises of another or so here thereto as to be seen from such private premises in a vulgar or indecent manner. Now, that law is in Missouri where I am, St. Louis area. That law is in many states, if not most states in the United States. Yeah, that's bad. And you can't argue, well, it's her word against someone else's. There's mountains of photo evidence. So, that's where we're at with the cause and effect public acts. As of now, one more little tidbit. For those of you wondering, well, how is Brazigans going to be doing after this? On the negative side, she has been removed from all future DWP festivals. She was they, The band was pulled off of Voragos, the DWP cruise, and will most likely never be coming back. No. On the positive side, a few days before this moment, this festival, it was announced that Brassigans will be opening for Tool in Europe. That's a good gig. That is a good gig. Now, Mayor James Keenan's one for his shenanigans. I don't know how I'd feel about that. And I also don't know how, how Tool's touring agency promotions would feel about that as well. We'll have to see where that goes. But that is the facts as of right now. The cause and effect of everything. So, now, we go to my reaction to some of this and what I think about it. And I am one person. I have seen and read and heard many people's arguments and uh, discussed and complaints, and amusements, emotions across the board. So, what does all this mean? Fair question. Why did this happen? Also a fair question. A big part of the issue is, number one, the statement that was made after this happened, the day on the 12th from the Brassican social media accounts. Um... If this is true, and I've seen some conflicting reports, but I'm going on what was alluded to by the social media from the actual bands, or the actual band, if not all members of the band Brass Against were aware that Sophia was going to do this, oh my gosh, that, that, that's so awful. Talk about being put in the worst spot imaginable. You're playing a trumpet or a saxophone and you see your singer peeing on some rando? Peeing in general, on stage in front of tens of thousands, in arguably your best festival spot and lineup ever? Ugh. Ugh. Number two. A lot of people are saying that fan 
could have been a plant in the original, like this was all a setup. Turns out that's not true. It was a rando fan who must have been pretty drunk and thought it was hilarious. And the fact that that man went back into the crowd and started laughing about it, slaying that woman's pee all over other fans in a tightly knit crowd for a festival in Daytona. Let me put it this way. I never condone violence in public settings in crowds. I admit, if someone tried to high-five or hug me covered in somebody else's pee, that would require sidekick action. Keep your distance. Hi-ya. Huh. Other issues going on. DWP was put in a massively terrible spot after this happened. They're trying to promote an all-ages show. After pandemic, and this is arguably the biggest one they've ever done, in Daytona, the first time they've had Welcome to Rockville in Daytona, boy, did they christen that stage. <sighs> Statements were made, I believe Danny Hayes of, DW, of, of DWP said they were embarrassed to death, they had no idea it was going to happen, they've been pulled off the different lineups for the future. Yeah. And this is where I put the business hat on. And I know not everyone's going to agree with me with this, and that's okay. If you were running any type of promotion, albeit a business organization, whether that's for profit, for charity, any type of public event that had, or private event that you had to buy a ticket to go to, advertise for all ages outdoors in a massive crowd, and you see a woman pull down her pants and pee on someone else in that public setting that you cannot get away from because there's too many people in a crowd... That's pretty awful. Why would you trust that person to ever come back again? I know people in personal life. I remember people in the pro wrestling days and things like that. And these personalities are all over. And I'm relating this one to her, to Sophia of Brass Against. There's always those people that like to try to push buttons and see how much they can get away with. They like to see how far they can cross the line. And they like to know what the line is. My response to that is... Why would anyone ever want to hire you or work with you? An organization, a sports, a, a business, a sports team, a band. If you know someone on your team, your band, your anything, an employee, is always going to be trying to see how much trouble they can get away with, why would you ever feel you could trust them at any time when you know they're going to do something like that? That's the business side argument that I think about this. DWP's right to pull them. You can't... No. First of all, you have to make a statement. Otherwise, crappier, less talented bands are going to start peeing all over the place. And then argue, what? Brass Against did it. And there's an also argument... There's also an argument saying if this was a band that had more hate following them, were more controversial, before the expression... I'll leave it at that. Say, we'll use Aaron Lewis, because I've railed on Aaron Lewis before with his live performances. <sighs> if Aaron Lewis was so drunk as he's been very inebriated on his most recent few shows, unzipped his fly and started peeing on a fan, people would want him arrested. Like that. Even the Redneck Country fans and the Southern Stained fans and things like that who are in denial about how the Stained's music is, even they would not tolerate that. She's getting away with quite a bit. 
as of now, she could still be facing charges. We don't know. Now, this goes on to the other side of this. I've seen many people say, what's so big a deal? That's punk rock. And I've seen those words specifically. Punk rock. It's an expression. It's a statement. I can't believe I have to explain this. Punk rock and rebellion is rebelling against something. Punk rock and live stage expression has to have something to express. Something to rebel against. Some system they're fighting. A statement being made. Whether that's in their music or publicly from the band. Brass Against never made any such statements. Brass Against never had any underlying fire for what they were doing politically, socially, anything. For that. That was not a statement. That was not... That was not punk rock, what they were doing. Sophia got caught up in the moment and thought she, it'd be awesome to pee on somebody. How, explain to me how that's punk rock. Anyone is welcome to try. Ugh. I, I really have trouble understanding that argument because there are so, so many edgelords and contrarians on social media who think that's punk rock, but just because it's hilarious to them. It's not punk rock. They're just trying to get attention. They're 100% trying to get attention to defend Brass Against for what they did and showed on stage. The fact is also, and this is where it's also awful. This was not a Brass Against headline show. If this were a Brass Against concert at a venue, it'd be one thing. You pay to go see Brass Against specifically for that. This was at a DWP festival. Many, I, I, I would actually be willing to bet most people did not pay to see Brass Against. That's not how festivals work. And, ugh. The fact that they did that at a festival in front of people who had no idea who they were and that's how they want to introduce themselves, that's pretty bad. It's also pretty bad for the other band members who didn't know that was going to happen, but There's so many statements on that too. If it was like one thing though, if it was their own show, and you're right, and to people that say that, they can do what they want at their own show on their own tour, at their own headline concerts, where people that know the band might know what to expect. No one, including Brass Against fans, knew this was going to happen. That's the big deal about that, too. This was not advertised. This behavior was not expected. People did not know this was going to happen, including band and production and team members and people working the event. No. Think of it other this way. If you go, what's a good example? NBA game. Say there's a big Lakers game in LA, and right before halftime, like right before, there's 10 seconds left, LeBron gets the ball, gonna make a shot to be, get the lead before halftime. He calls timeout. Ref calls timeout. LeBron pulls a fan and has him lay face down, face up on the right on the basketball floor in the stadium and pees on him. Yeah, he'd be in trouble for that. No one's calling that a statement. And if you want to keep it in music, fine. 
if it was another band, I say if it was a bigger name band or a band that had more controversy behind them, there would be way more repercussions, I feel. And I don't know why that's happening. Then, then again, this is new territory. No one saw this was going to happen. So, yes, I see all the urinal talk in the chat. I've been noticing. I'm just trying to get all my information out. It's not that I'm ignoring it. I'm just trying to keep my brain in one piece as I explain all this awful brass against. Uh, uh. Huh. I saw arguably the dumbest take. Of dumbest takes on this whole situation, though. Defe- Maybe not so much defending Brass Against, but just looking for attention on the situation to add to the topic. It was on a post uh, in the comments saying how DWP has pulled Bra- um, Brass Against from future events and how embarrassed they were. They didn't know that was going to happen. Someone said, whatever, I've seen worse. There's worse stuff that happens on stage. Have you ever seen Gwar? There's a lot of things to really break that down, and this person was being serious. Number one, I will take fake blood over real pee any day. And the fact that I have to explain that is awful. It's pathetic. Ugh. Number two... Gore is advertised as over-the-top animated violence. Cartoon, like, just cartoonish body part, like, fake body parts, fake blood everywhere. You know exactly what you are getting when you see Gore live. They advertise it. They tell people to bring ponchos. They say they're going to spray fake blood on everybody. That's part of the show Everyone knows that. And even the people that go to festivals don't know what to expect at a Gore show. They are informed by others right before the Gore show starts. Nobody knew this was going to happen for Brass Against, and that's what is also a huge thing. So, as for what's going to happen with Brass Against if actual charges are going to be filed, because again, I've seen conflicting reports. It doesn't like they'll be charged by, or charges won't be pressed by DWP or the venue. Uh, at Daytona. They could have serious issues, though, with and Daytona with just county laws and state laws. I'll end with this. When Florida is grossed out by what you did, you have done messed up, A.A. Ron. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I just I just don't know, guys. I, for those of you who are uh, also have been following me for a while, every now and then I fill on fill in on Radio Dead Air with Nash, um, on his show. What the f is wrong with you? A majority of the shows I've been on have always covered poo, and now on my own podcast, podcast I had to cover pee. I don't like being the blue guy. I don't like having to take my channel into toilet talk. Hello, however, I. Can't deny that this is big news. And if I was a member of Brass Against who did not know this was going to happen, I would be looking for another group to play with or looking to leaving the band. It's not enough to, you know, just try to get Sophia kicked out. It's a part of being against the name Brass Against. And if you're a part of that band... 
everyone's going to associate you with peeing on stage. Is that really what you want? To practice for years, decades at an instrument, finally get your dues paid, make your big break, and then it's flushed all the way. And yes, I'm aware of the pun on that one. Ugh. Uh, yeah. I, I would be looking for another band. Because also, if you didn't know she could do something like that, what else could she do later? It's gotten to the point now where Sophia's fiance, who is a star Peloton instructor, like legit, like a big deal Peloton instructor, is also losing endorsements and stuff now too. So they're paying repercussions even outside of music. So we'll have to find out whether whatever your situation is with and what your opinion is on the whole brass against. It's, uh, it's an expression. It's art. It's punk rock. It's not punk rock. Whatever your thoughts on this are, all we know are, one, Brass Against released a statement. Brass Against has been pulled from upcoming DWP festival events. Brass Against, as of now, is going to be opening for Tool, as was planned, in 2022, in Europe. And that's where it is. Let me know your thoughts in the comments on YouTube. I see a lot of people on the Twitch chat. Thank you. Also, Concert Crap, a great Instagram channel if you want to follow Concert News. They cover crap, not me. Thank you. Moving on, quickly, thankfully, because I'm willing to talk about anything else at this point. We got news about Welcome to Rockville in a positive way. Now, some of you may be interested in some of this because, I, like I said before, Welcome to Rockville will be returning in 2022 in May, as it normally is in. However, it'll be later in May, and I admit I'm a little worried about the heat because, oh my goodness, the heat, the heat, the heat in May of Florida in Daytona is bad at a venue that doesn't offer a ton of shade. I hope they make shade, but that's besides the point. That's not what we're talking about right now. The headliners for one of the biggest festivals in the country for rock and metal, and just in general, biggest festivals in the country, have been announced for 2022. One headliner a day for a four-day festival, May 19th through the 22nd at Daytona International Speedway. For everyone listening, I'll read them off to you. And for everyone watching, I'm just going to show it on screen because I'm interested in some of your reactions, and this is going to have a little bit of a discussion about this as well. Day one, May 19th, will be... Kiss, shout it out loud, on their 900th retirement tour. On Friday, May 20th, Korn, and we'll be talking about Korn later. Korn plan to have big, big things coming in 2022. On May 21st, Guns N' Roses, who are still actively trying to make old music new again if that makes sense, with some of their releases. And on Sunday, closing out the four-day festival on the 22nd of May, Foo Fighters. Korn and Foo Fighters have headlined Welcome to Rockville in previous years as well. Now, there's some discussion on this that I want to have about headliners like these for big day festivals. Excuse me. Number one, I love Foo Fighters. 
They are still a big name. They have mass crossover appeal. I get it. The argument's not so much about that. But they can play into this argument. I'm going to make it a little bit. Number two, Korn is the youngest band on this headliner list. Korn is the youngest band on this headliner list. For the past uh, five, six years or so, there have been many arguments about any festival, DWP, Independence, whatever it might be, uh, multi-genre runs in the United States, saying that rock and metal bands keep having the same headliners or not giving younger bands a chance. Um, and hashtag Elder Millennials Unites, yeah. I'm a millennial, and this is old even for me. I'm in my 30s, and man, I don't know, guys. Kiss opening on Thursday, and Guns N' Roses on Saturday. This is this really does feel like it's appealing to an older audience for Daytona at one of the biggest festivals in the country. Now, I'm aware they have a big audience, and money's money. People buy tickets. That's all that matters. And also on a side note, Korn is almost always, year after year, the most requested band for DWP. For the DWP festivals, they always put surveys out there. And Korn is almost always like at the top or number one as most requested band to perform. Korn has their diehard audience. So I at least get that too. Kiss is a novelty act at this point. Paul Stanley talked about how they're not going to release new music. There's no point. Guns N' Roses, when I saw them a couple years ago, Axl Rose was terrible. He sounded like he just smoked a fr- five packs of menthols right before he took stage. And maybe I'm way off on that, too. That's the only time I've ever seen Guns N' Roses live. Maybe that was just off that night. Slash still has it. We know that. But that does not dispute the fact that newer bands are not getting the chance to headline a festival. And that hurts. When you have a band like Ghost, I always use the example of Ghost, who I feel are worthy of headlining a show. And they've only been around in the lights since like 2010-ish. That could work. But the youngest bands for some of these lineups are going to be for next year are from the 90s. They still have their fans. Some of them are still putting it in. And I'll talk more about Korn in a minute. I don't know what to think. You're not, I've seen, and I've seen in Shock Kiss before, they are a fun band live. When I say they're a novelty act, it's fun. The fire's everywhere. It's a big sing-along for every song. I get it. I admit the idea of waiting for hours in Daytona with an old 50-plus-year-old Guns N' Roses audience makes me feel dirty. Yikes. But Foo Fighters I love. Korn has a fun... Korn is a fun band to see, too. As a photographer, they're a fun band to shoot. So, tickets are available now. And the big question, would I recommend this? Honestly, if the rest of the lineup is killer, I would absolutely go. Because I've been to Rockville every year except this one since 2013. I have so many friends in Florida and working this festival year after year that I would love to see as well as the bands. The venue, from what I keep hearing, is amazing to have a, a big festival at this like this. I am worried about the heat. End of May. They've never had it this late in May before, and that could be really rough. 
unless they add a ton of shade, like uh, canopies and tarps above, like the little sun shields and stuff. But I would still recommend it if the, line, the rest of the lineup is killer. I totally would. Other lineups we have, though, are some other cool stuff that's going to happen. I think another festival that got announced is a pretty big deal as well, and that's Shaky Knees. Let me pull this up really quick. Da -da -da -da. Shaky Knees in Atlanta, Georgia, is announced their 2022 lineup. And I think it's kind of awesome what they're doing because they have variety. And that's what we need. Actual true variety and style. And you're going to see that in just a second as I pull this up. I will read the headliners for all of you listening on the podcast and things like that. They announced this a few days ago. I only know about 50% of the bands on this list at best. Three-day festival, Atlanta, Georgia, April 29th through May 1st, 2002, or 2022. I went back in 2016, had a great time. It was, it was just fantastic how they ran everything. Day one, headlined by Green Day. Day two by Nine Inch Nails. Day three by My Morning Jackets. Also featuring Billy Idol, Churches, Death Cab for Cutie, Biffy Clyro, Pup, who I'm a fan of, King Gizzard of the Lizard Wizard, Highly Suspect, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, Japanadroids, The Japanese Breakfast, and many, many, many more. I can't stress enough that this looks like a solid headliner, and I only know half the bands. I was talking with Mark from Spectrum Pulse. He says he knows some of the more opening bands and like lower carded bands. And he says, yeah, this is a solid lineup. I agree. So it's not to say that 90s bands can't do it. The issue is when you're going back to the 80s and the 70s for those bands to take spots over even giving a chance to someone else, it's a bit of an issue. Nine Inch Nails started in the 80s, though. Green Day really got their break in the 90s. They're older. My Morning Jack a little bit later, but still. If you plan on going, get a hotel close to the venue because you do not want to drive through Atlanta. The more you drive through Atlanta, the more hair you pull out. I'll leave it at that. But again, I would recommend this festival. I totally would. Solid lineup. Shaky Knees always does a great job with their festival grounds and things like that. This is a fun one for multi-genre cross-style. You get variety. Nine Inch Nails, Churches, Green Day, Billy Idol. You know, there's a lot. So that's where I'm at with that. Moving on to some more music news. I said I would start talking about Korn. One thing you guys got to find out about Korn is that not only did they release a new song this past Friday, they announced their new album. And that is Requiem, which will be coming in February of 2022. Quite exciting considering that their new song, Start the Healing, is released now. And Jonathan Davis was able to push through his COVID recovery. I am not positive yet on the status of his overall health. He got COVID brutally to the point where he could not even perform an entire set without having to sit down. For those who are not aware, he was already having breathing issues for years before, always having an oxygen tank on stage. However, we got a new album coming out, Requiem. It'll be out this February. And if there's any indicator that along with this and headlining a major festival... You better believe there's probably going to be a big headline tour. Take that for what it's worth. We played the song on New Music Sunday, New Music Night this past week on Twitch. It got a good reaction. People dug it. I would not say I'm in love with it, but I will say I will listen to the whole album. And I definitely want to hear what they have now. 
And that also goes to a side conversation because Fieldy of Corn is still trying to get better as well. And a lot of the album was already recorded before, I should say, before Jonathan Davis got COVID. I don't know how much of the singing was, though. That I'd have to look up. And I'm pretty sure it was not completed by a long shot before Jonathan Davis got COVID pretty badly on that corn and stained uh, headline. So we're going to find out. But Fieldy is still trying to get better. We don't know all the details of everything he was trying to overcome. All we know is he still has the band's full support and they want him back. And I'm sure he'll be welcomed with open arms. I'm pretty sure... I'm confident that he'll be okay and he'll get back there, but it's still a long road to recovery. So, yeah. We'll find out. And yeah, I, I know Fieldy is working on other stuff too. All the best for Korn. I know they have their diehard fan base. They've had their ups and downs and Jonathan Davis continues to be a trooper. Whether you like Korn or not, and I know they're not for everybody, Korn has... Jonathan Davis specifically has had a rough life. Rough. Even as an adult over the last few years, losing his wife. The COVID thing now. Jeez. <sighs> Moving on. Also talking about corn. Did you know that today is the 22nd anniversary of Issues? I thought that was interesting how that worked out. 22 years of issues. I remember the day it came out, they had the big album reveal the day before where they showed the winning album cover. There was a big contest to see who's going to get the next album cover for issues. And they showed the three other ones they chose and they released uh, issues of that as well later on. Issues of issues, I should say. Man, oh man. I can't stress enough that this was such a big deal back in the day. They had a big live thing on MTV to reveal it. The actual artist got flown in to reveal it for everybody. The band talked about the new album. It was a cool moment for rock. Korn got to talk about it. The entire band was there talking with Carson Daly. Everything was there. And once again, it was 22 years ago that rock was on MTV. Actual rock music. That's right. It did happen. I know that sounds like a joke. And I know a lot of you might be just a touch too young to really have known about music on MTV, but it was true. Used to be all day. So, take that for what it's worth. Some other cool news that happened. Star Sets, a band that I have been promoting and following for years, ever since their first single, My Demons, hit the charts. Well, My Demons, just yesterday, was certified platinum by the RIAA. Star Set's first actual platinum single. I think that's awesome. I made a post about it on Instagram. I know Dustin Bates is over the moon with excitement about that. Very proud, as he should be. Star Set's still on tour right now. Their latest album, Horizons, is available. I do recommend checking that out. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a step up above their previous album, Divisions. There's a lot of fun stuff to be had. Very creative. Their headline tour is going through December. Very awesome. If I'm correct, they were at Welcome to Rockville, too, and people enjoy their set. So, please check that out if you can. Very awesome to see stuff like that happen. Along with that, Code Orange are teasing more new music as well. I'm just going to keep this playing through. We played Code Orange's new uh, song, Out for Blood, on New Music Night, and I am a huge Code Orange fan. I admit this style is not something I loved from Code Orange, 
But that being said, Code Orange is a band who is constantly trying to reinvent. They constantly twist genres and subgenres and try to do everything they can, every style. Industrial, grunge, and now new metal, they're trying it all. So I was willing to give it a chance, and I want to see if their upcoming album, if that does happen, will be more in this vein or if it's going to be all over the place. Either way, I'm excited to see what they have. So again, the new song is named Out for Blood. Code Orange is Out for Blood also gets you that title as well. I know Code Orange is not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. So if you're looking for something heavier, but also has variety in songs and styles on different albums, definitely check out Code Orange. So as we move on, as we're slowly running out of time, let's go for the Billboard Mainstream Top 3 of the Week. Every week we go over the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart and talk about the top three songs that are either blessing or plaguing mainstream rock channels. FM, XM, satellite radio, online radio, and the like. Coming in at number three, Hailstorm's Back from the Dead, formerly at number one. Very cool to see it's still in the top three. Hailstorm's going to be on that tour with Evanescence. I know Lizzie Hale and Amy Lee are working on some stuff as well. They've already been doing some performances. That's pretty awesome. Coming in at number two, falling from number one, is Alone Again by Asking Alexandria. And yeah, I, I just, I'm not a fan. I don't, I'm not a fan of the song. I'm surprised it got to number one. But then again, I shouldn't be because Billboard, Mainstream, FM, XM, Satellite, especially Sirius XM, loves playing Asking Alexandria and sticking with the names they already know. And speaking of names they already know, including Mainstream FM... Number one mainstream rock song in the United States this week, Papa Roach with Kill the Noise. Papa Roach being another one of the bands that Billboard mainstream FM stations will always spam on the airways because it's just another song from a band people know. Don't get me wrong, Papa Roach has a diehard fan base, more so than Korn, believe it or not. Maybe not in numbers, but the fan is more ravenous. The fan base is more ravenous. And I will stand by, there's one great thing to say about Papa Roach. They are always, always great to their fans. They are the example of how to be good to your fan base. And I mean that to you. That's not snark or sarcasm. More bands need to take a page out of Jacoby and everybody else in Papa Roach's book of how to be good to your fans. And I mean that. So, whether you like them or not, though, they, are, they have another number one single. I think, and at least it's not the song Swerve. That is correct. Someone just said that in the chat on Twitch. Yeah, this it's significantly better than the song Swerve. Not, not a high bar, but the song you can at least follow. That new Papa Roach album is probably going to be happening soon. And someone just asked on Twitch, would Infest be an album worth regretting? No. Regretting the past album? No. And speaking of that, now that Kid Rock's cockies regretting the past is out there, I don't know how many more Regretting the Past I'm going to do just because it's very clear. Over the years, the views on Regretting the Past have been going less and less and less. And Kid Rock's about the same. So I don't know how to break it to you guys. If the views aren't there for Regretting the Past, I'm not going to keep doing them. So if the views pick up later and I look into it, fine. I can understand that. But guys, I've stopped so many other series on the YouTube channel because lack of interest. I'm not going to keep putting stuff out if no one wants to watch it. So if views don't start coming in for bigger videos, even no matter how vocal people are in requesting it, 
uh, the loudest people do not mean that's the most popular decision. So even if the same five people keep demanding a video series to come back or to, to be a part of it, those five people don't give more than five views. It's just how it is. So we'll see, though. We'll see how views continue. There will always be changes and updates for what bands to check out. Moving on, though. Upcoming plans for new videos and topics for Rocked. Working with people to try to get more writers and stuff for Rocked, the actual website, to get more cross-appeal. I'm trying to get more stuff on social networks as well, so that way you have more articles, editorials, things like that, on the website to check out from different writers. So I'm going to be working on that over the next few months. Along with that, some other things I'm working on right now, more streams based on music here on Twitch, and that could lead to live stuff on YouTube. I will be having a discography tier list on Twitch, and I'm letting my patrons decide what band to do that on. Uh, as soon as I get enough samples, I'll have a poll, and I'll put that on Patreon as well, and then I'll make a date for when we do that discography tier list live on Twitch. I think that'll be fun, and doing it with an audience as well. Speaking of audience, tomorrow night, and I can't stress enough how big of a deal this is for us. We always love doing it. Tomorrow night's on the main YouTube channel, and I just put the YouTube link in chat for Twitch. On YouTube, Rock Coliseum 12, John, Mark, Crash, and myself will all be there for two hours of your suggestions. Standard Rock Coliseum. You give us a band, an artist, an album, a song, whatever you want. We give the thumbs up or thumbs down on it. Does it live or does it die in the Coliseum? We will be taking Super Chats as well. We always look forward to this. It's always a lot of fun. Tomorrow, I will be spreading the link out on every Discord server and on social media and everything I can find. Please do me a favor. If you're hearing this tonight or tomorrow, please set a reminder and share the link. If everybody shared the link just once, that would be so massive to get more people to check it out and tune in live. And the more people we get, the better it turns out. This is something that really depends on a live audience. So, and I speak beha for behalf on that with John, Mark, and Crash, who they always feel the same way. So, other than that, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the world of rock and metal. There's still more albums being dropped. Don't think I'm not paying attention to all the new music I am. That's what part of the reason why New Music Night's doing well with Twitch. I think the audience there is helping out with that. Last Sunday was a lot of fun. We had a lot of good variety for stuff last Sunday night. So, thank you guys again. Thank you so much for helping out and being a part of this on Twitch. Thank you guys for listening on the podcast forum, Spotify, Spreaker, Apple, Google. Thank you if you're watching this on YouTube as well after, I up, after the live stream and I upload this. Just let me know what you guys think. Please remember, as Corey Taylor said at Rockville after regarding the World situation, if you have two eyes, keep them open and look out for each other. That's important. All it takes sometimes. Keep an eye out for each other. Thank you guys again. We will see you tomorrow live on Rock's main channel for Rock Coliseum 12. And if you type Rock Coliseum 12 into YouTube, it should be the first thing that pops up for the actual link page to set a reminder. Thank you guys again. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Stay safe. Have a great time. Thank you guys.